0: Well, good morning everybody. Would you please stand? A very warm welcome to everybody here this morning. Uh, Listen to what it says in the book of Colossians about what we're doing as we come together. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitudes in your hearts. Let's do that as we sing our first hymn to the name of our salvation. take a seat. Well, welcome again uh, to everyone that's here in the building and also those of you who are joining us online. It's, it's great to have you here. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, a special welcome to you. My name is Andrew Graham. I'm one of the ministers here and uh, we love having guests at St Matthews. Uh, we trust your time uh, in the building here this morning will be really worthwhile and enjoyable and please accept our invitation to join us for morning tea the courtyard in the function room. And that, by the way, is a little cue to you if you're a a regular member and you have a guest with you, make sure they get a warm invitation from you to join us. Um, We're having such a wonderful time reading through the book of Romans here on Sunday mornings and across the day. And uh, we come to one of the greatest parts of the Bible at the end of Romans 8 this morning. Our senior minister, Bruce, will be speaking to us from one of the most assuring parts of the Bible reassuring us of God's good plans for those who follow the Lord Jesus. Nothing can separate us from his love. We'll hear from the scriptures this morning. We'll also be hearing a video testimony from our own John Jones, who's been following the Lord uh, for many years. And it is a testimony of God's goodness in calling him to himself and, and the, the wonderful reassurance that, God, uh, that John has carried through his life as a follower of the Lord Jesus. We've got quite a packed service this morning. We're also welcoming back to St. Matthews, Peter and Lisa uh, Kerr, as uh, Peter joins the staff team here. And so for those of you who don't know him, uh, it, it will be a pleasure, I'm sure, for you to meet them. And it was lovely to see people up the back there, uh, welcoming them back. they having been a part of the, the, um, the church here some years ago. Because it's such a packed service this morning, although we'd initially planned that we'd be sharing in the Lord's Supper uh, this morning, we've deferred that till next week, so we can do it in an unhurried fashion then. That, that means we'll have two weeks, the next two weeks, sharing together in the Lord's Supper here. Well, with all those preliminaries out of the way, let's come before God in prayer, and this is a prayer of thanksgiving. I'll give you just a moment to pause and reflect on God's goodness to you, and then together we'll pray together. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us for life and health and safety, for power to work, leisure to rest, and for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. But above all, we praise you for our Saviour Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your spirit, And for the hope of sharing in your glory, fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now we have a chance to say out loud what it is that we believe about God. Uh, This is a really fine summary in the the Apostles' Creed of what Christians believe uh, right across the world today. Uh, Brothers and sisters will be reciting these very words, so please join me. and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen and hallelujah. Uh, We're now gonna hear uh, a little news from St. Matthew's from the screen. And then I've got a couple of things to share with you about special news uh, here at, at 8 o'clock church.
1: Welcome to church today. So great that you could join us. For those who are here for the first time, I'd especially like to welcome you to St Matts. And I'd also like you to invite you to fill out a connection card to say hi. It's a simple way for you to get in touch and let us know that you were here today. As we heard last week, over the 3 Saturdays this winter, we'll be running afternoons in. It's a chance to enjoy some warm and relaxed fellowship with each other up on level 1 of the Darley Smith building. There'll be puzzles, cards, table tennis, hot chocolate. You can even just bring a book to read if you'd like. The first afternoon in will be next Saturday from 1:30 p.m. to 4:30 p.m then again on Saturday the 8th of July and 12th of August. It would be great to see you there. As some of you will know, this year we have begun a partnership with Anglicare to provide low-cost groceries to the manly community. It's called the Mobile Community Pantry. Anglicare recently released a report revealing the rising toll on families as the cost of living crisis continues. Many people are now switching to cheaper, less nutritious food items, and sometimes even going without food so that they can provide their children with meals. We believe that offering members of our community a way to maintain their health and relieve some of the anxiety around providing basic needs is a great way to show the love of Jesus here in Manly. And so, with this in mind, every Monday afternoon at 3.30, a mobile community pantry van is driven into the courtyard to set up shop. The van is stocked at the Anglicare warehouse with a range of grocery items that have been sourced from food bank and other supportive suppliers. For just $12, someone can purchase a bag of groceries which they can then get to select themselves from the shelves. The van carries staples like pasta, rice, coffee, tea, and milk, as well as the kind of treats you might pop into children's lunch boxes. Pretty simple and easy. But one of the things I love about it is that we're not just offering affordable groceries, we're also offering connection and relationship. Once shoppers have finished filling their bags, we set up a cafe area for people to sit, enjoy a tea or coffee and have a chat with the team. Over the last few weeks, the number of people utilising the service has steadily increased and we've got capacity to serve even more. But to do that, we need to get the word out That's where you come in. At the back of church, we've put together packs of flyers, letting people know about this initiative. Who knows how God might use this opportunity to reach into people's lives. Before leaving today, would you consider taking a pack and following the distribution map? Help us get the word out and see what God does to bring the hope and love of Jesus to our community this week.
0: more things from me. Uh, the first one is a brief report on a wonderful afternoon tea that was served up in the Daly Smith um, uh, building yesterday afternoon following a fascinating talk by Martin uh, Orchard on Westminster and his experience amongst other things of being a, a, a choir boy there way back in the 50s, wasn't it? Uh, and so I, I'd want to say a big thank you to Martin for his input there and also to Sue White for putting on such an enjoyable Uh, afternoon for so many of us here. Uh, The other thing is just to to let you know, if you hadn't already caught up on this, that we've recently installed a hearing loop here at St Matthews. It's the kind of thing that if you are hearing impaired in any way, it could be very useful for you. Um, You can tune uh, your cochlear implant uh, to it. Uh, You go to the T-switch telecall program Uh, Similarly, uh, you should be able to do the same thing with your hearing aid. And if there's someone that you ever bring with you along to the service here, you can let them know about that as well. And if if all of that is too much to take on, we've actually put a sign up the back there with instructions for how to have access to it. And if you are hearing impaired and uh, you have neither uh, an implant uh, nor a hearing aid, we do have an extra headset. Uh, it's so important that we're able to engage as fully as possible in our services, isn't it? And so that's a great new initiative, and I hope you're able to enjoy it. Well, Bruce is now going to I- introduce Pete and uh, and Lisa. Thanks, Bruce. Good morning, everyone.
2: It's great to be back. And I want to say I'm very excited because we have some very dear-loved friends back, and not just friends, uh, I've got a new staff member, which does bring great joy to my heart. So can I get you to welcome up with uh, a lot of warmth Peter and Lisa Kerr. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Bruce. Morning, Pete.
3: Morning, Bruce. Morning, everyone. Good morning.
2: Now, for those who don't know Pete and Lisa, I've known them for quite a long time. Um, I thought it'd be good to just hear a little bit about them. So, if I can just get you to start by just sharing a bit about Pete and Lees, who you guys are.
4: Um, And and
2: how long have you been associated with St Matthews? Because this is not the first time you've been here, is it?
4: No, and I see a few familiar faces in the congregation, though I was brunette when you knew me last. (laughs) Um, But I've been here since like the mid-90s under Richard Harvey, um, or I was here. And then in 2012, I got married to Pete and he started coming here. After we got married, Pete said, I think I want to go to Bible college. and So then I've become a minister's wife. We've spent the last six and a half years at Marrickville Road Church and now we're back.
2: Fantastic.
3: No, I wasn't a brunette last time I was here (laughs) but I did have a little bit more on top of my profile. Has changed slightly (laughs) since I left but that's all right. We've had some uh, good fun over in Marrickville. We've been there for the last six and a half years. It's been wonderful. But I grew up in Wollongong and um, did all my study down there and my schooling down there. And so I did know Bruce many, many years ago. And um, He married your brother. He did. Yeah. He did. And uh, yeah, we came up to when Lisa and I got married, uh, moved up to Manly, joined the church. It was a wonderful season uh, here at St Matthews and we're so thrilled to be back. We so. really are.
2: Pete, you left us six and a half years ago.
3: <laughs> still a sore point, no, no.
2: <laughs> My parting words to Pete were, you know what, I think I'll get you back one day. I'm hoping I will.
3: He did, I've still got the card. He said, bye for now, but just for now. But, you know, the, uh, the great Scott Petty said to me when I was here, he said, see, so the thing about Manly is there's Manly, Pittwater Road and the rest of the world. And I said said to him, I think I want to go and see the rest of this world. And so that's why we went over to uh, Marrickville. It's been a good time.
2: So you went through Bible College and you've been over there working at Marrickville. I think you did a year here part time uh, in a temporary role. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us a bit about the Marrickville experience. How was that?
3: Well, I mean, I joined the team primarily to support the senior minister. And so my role was very fluid in that regard. Uh, But did a lot of preaching over there, led the um, Bible studies, which was great, and um, pastoral care. It was a really wonderful time over in um, Marrickville, a much smaller congregation, very intimate, um, but they loved the Lord, and it was just a joy to be part of that community and to be one of their ministers for uh, six and a half years, which was a decent amount of time. It's a... um, it's a very multi ethnic, multicultural community and I feel like that was mirrored inside the church. So that was really special as well to see what was happening outside was also being mirrored on the inside, which is great. And I feel like I learnt a lot through that experience. I really do. Interestingly, we used to have the former Prime Minister Tony Abbott
5: here in the electorate. You had Anthony
4: Albanese.
3: Yes, yes. So the the Prime Minister say so We were his landlords, still are his landlords, actually. And uh, so got to know him a little bit over the the last few years, that's for sure. And um, he's a nice guy that uh, likes to get into his car spot without being impeded in any way. So (laughs) make sure there's nothing in the driveway when he's coming in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, really wonderful. um, Yeah, getting to know him and his staff team as well. And you get to know the community as well through that. So we had some good connections with um, his office.
2: Fantastic. Now, you guys have come back and you're going to be working alongside Nathan as the senior assistants for me. Um, How are you both feeling about coming back to Manly and St Matthews?
4: It was really hard to leave Marrickville, I have to say. Like, we've we've built some beautiful relationships. They became our church family, um, dear friends. So it was really hard to leave. Um, but it's an easy transition. This is so familiar, the building still smells the same. <laughs> um, yeah, everything's so familiar and it's like, now that I've, um, you know, grieved and said goodbye and everything and now I can start, it's like, it's really lovely to be back. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm getting excited now.
2: Fantastic. How about you, Pete?
3: Yeah, I'm so thrilled to be back. I've had a, a break in between But I feel like for the last couple of weeks, I've had time to process where we've been and getting time to process um, what's going to be happening in the future and time here in Manly. So I'm happy that it's finally happening. I feel like I've been waiting all week to go. And uh, I'm looking forward to joining the staff team. It's a great team. It really is. Looking forward to supporting Bruce in whatever way I can do that, to do that well. And uh, looking forward to doing life with all of you and getting to know you. Yeah, I'm excited.
2: Fantastic. Well, let me encourage everyone to meet Pete and Lisa afterwards. They'll be out at morning tea. I'm gonna pray for them now. Father, we do thank you for the journey that you have taken Pete and Lisa on. Thank you for what they've learned over at Marrickville and the great ministry they had with them. And I know it was a tremendous time of encouragement and helping that church grow. We pray as they come here, that your hand of blessing would be on them and that you would use them for great things to grow your kingdom, to grow your church through the gospel and to help us make faithful disciples of the Lord Jesus. And for all the practical things involved in moving and setting up, we pray that you would have your blessing uh, upon those things. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, let's welcome them to St. Matthew's.
0: We're going to continue in prayer. I'll lead us. Heavenly Father, you're the one that's created us, and you sustain us daily. We praise and thank you for your love and faithfulness in our lives. We pray that you'll fill us with your spirit so that our lives and words display the hope we know in Christ with people around us. Father, we praise you that you rule all things with justice and kindness, so we pray that you will look with mercy on people caught in the midst of armed conflict we so often hear about the awful things unfolding in ukraine and there are so many other places like it lord we ask that you would restore peace to the people of ukraine we pray for those who've been displaced there and elsewhere and we ask you would bring them to a place of safety and refuge and Lord God, we thank you for the way you've made us in your image, the way that you give us work to do, our paid and unpaid. We thank you for trusting us with the responsibilities we have and we ask we would fulfil them with integrity, living and working in harmony and in faithful service to others. And may our labour bring blessing to others and glory to your kingdom. And Lord, it was such a joy to see 15 young members of our church family making a public profession and commitment of their faith last week here at the Confirmation Service. We thank you for the 14 young people who were confirmed and the one who was baptised. And so today we pray for them by name. For Olivia, Caleb, Matilda, Jemima, Kayla, Kirsten, Joshua, Sophie, Annabelle, Sarah, Harry, Misha, Emma, Liberty, and Matthew. Father, we pray that the faith they professed will take deep root in their hearts and they'll follow you faithfully all the days of their lives. And finally, Father, with this week ahead, we ask that you'll help us to find times of quiet to seek you. May your word dwell richly in us. May our prayers be filled with thanks and praise with heartfelt confession and with bold requests. And help us speak gently to others, to be kind and patient, to be filled with joy knowing you are our loving Father who goes before us and sets the path for us to follow. In Jesus' name, we bring all these things before you. Amen. And shall we close our time of prayer by saying together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, We're going to sing our collection hymn now, so please stand and join our singers from the front. Straight after that, we'll hear that video testimony from John Jones.
5: post office down Enmore Road to Newtown Bridge, down Newtown Bridge to the last pharmacy before Moore College who gave me a job and in that that job I met Beth and we went out together, we had a sort of understanding and Beth had been catching the train home from work and the one Christian girl in her uh, Protestant denomination church that she knew kept sitting beside her on the seat 5 o'clock after 5 o'clock every afternoon after work inviting her to go to uh, the Christian convention. So when I said I was going to Melbourne, she said she was going to Katoomba. And she went to Katoomba and she was wondrously converted that very first night on New Year's Eve. And when I got back from Melbourne, there was a letter waiting for me saying most people don't know what it means. But in the real sense, I've become a Christian and I couldn't possibly marry somebody who wasn't a Christian. And P.S. don't try to fake it. (laughs) And so she challenged me to read the Bible. I couldn't even find any book in the Bible. So she gave me an individual copy of Matthew, then of Mark, then of Luke. And for three weeks I read that on the train going to and from work. And I was quite, quite arrested by the, the person of Jesus, by his... Just who he was and what he was and how he treated people and his relationships and uh, his life. And at the end of that, she announced to me that there was a house party at Rathane, the Anglican Diocese uh, house party location on Port Hacking. (laughs) So reluctantly, in the middle of Saturday afternoon, I went down to Rathane with her. And we got through to the Sunday night and sat around in a circle for... A wash up before we all went home and I was sitting, I don't think it was Graham Goldsworthy, I sat next to him in Moore College later on and I think it was his brother John who stood up as people said things and said I've got no idea why I'm saying this I just feel like I ought to uh, quote Psalm 46 10, be still and know that I am God. And in a very strange experience I found myself on my feet, I made the choice one that I desperately didn't want to make and I got up on my feet and I'm sure not only was I convinced by the person of Christ but there was uh, some self-preservation in it you know, this is a chance that I'm being offered to come into a relationship with God through Christ as I understand it and I can say no but I can't guarantee that I'm going to get another chance and so with that element of selfishness in it, I stood up and I said, I think this is for me. And that was the, that was my conversion, I think. And then I got up and so many people kept coming to me and telling me how joyful I was. I think I said to Jeff Bingham, if anybody else tells me how joyful I I am, I'm going to deck them. (laughs) Anyway, I started reading the Bible and reading it consistently and reading it intentionally. And it was just as if Christ made himself known to me sort of stage by stage as we as we moved on and things happened and my life progressed and with Beth too, she was you know totally committed as a Christian and it's only a few weeks ago I think Ruth my daughter said to me when we were talking about this she said, "Mum wouldn't have married you if you hadn't become a Christian there's no way she would have married you <laughs> and it was just It was just a progression of relationship with Christ and that was through reading the Bible and praying and associating with people who could uh, mentor me and uh, edify me, help me, teach me. I know I've committed myself to Christ. I'm assured that he's able to commit me until he's ready to take me. And you know, that just increased my trust in him. You know, it wasn't perfect from my side by any means. But God was faithful, and He kept growing me. I mean, I didn't grow, He grew me, and I became more assured.
6: This morning's reading is from Romans 8 verses 28 to 39, uh, the Church Bible uh, is seat in front of you, on page 1133. Uh, you'll find it and I'll just give you a couple of moments to, to find where we are. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then?
2: Thank you Larry, well I'm going to pray that I don't butcher this passage, it's um, one of the great passages in all of scripture. Let me pray, Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, we thank you for Romans, we thank you for Romans chapter 8 and we thank you for this particular part of it that is so magnificent that speaks of your sovereign grace that works so powerfully in our life and the way you are for us right to the end. And so, Father, as I speak, as we read these words, may you give us a confidence in you that you will get us to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the marathon is a long distance foot race with a distance of 42.195 kilometres. I don't know if you know the history of it but apparently the name for the race comes from the legend of Philippides. Uh, He was a Greek messenger who ran for over a hundred kilometres to the home city of Athens to proclaim the victory over the Persian invaders back in the day in ancient Greece. And it's said that he ran the entire distance to Athens without stopping, discarding his weapons and even his clothes to lose as much weight as possible. And apparently he burst into the assembly, exclaiming, we have won, and then he collapsed and died. (laughs) They still don't know whether it's an actual true story, but that is the legend that the marathon is based upon. And when the modern Olympics began, and that was in 1896, the organisers were looking for a great popularising event that would kind of recall and capture all of the greatness of ancient Greece and the great athletic contests that they had. And so the modern marathon was born with those memories in tail. And if you've run a marathon, anyone here run a marathon? Andrew, you've run a marathon. I just learn new things about you every day. Good on you, Andrew. I was reading a few uh, quotes about marathon runners and here's what one marathon runner has said who has run 34 marathons, ridiculous. Running a marathon is an extraordinary experience. It is solitary, it is painful, it is joyous, it is victorious, uh, it is surreal. You feel intimidated and then you feel like a conqueror. You feel fast and then you feel very slow. And anyone who could do it, I have enormous admiration for. And I begin this way because I wonder if anyone here feels that the Christian life is similar. You can feel joyful and victorious at times, but soon afterwards, you can also feel very alone and very slow. And you start to wonder, will you make it to the end? One thing I vividly remember many years ago when I first became a Christian is I was full of enthusiasm and an older Christian took me inside to encourage me and he just said look I just need to say to you the Christian life is not a sprint race and I was a sprinter when I was young, it is a marathon event, you've actually got to make it right to the end and those words have stayed with me and it's very true, the Christian life is a marathon race. And the call is not just to burn brightly for a moment a season, we actually need to be faithful right to the end. And so it raises the question, how do you make it to the end as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ? And anyone who's been a Christian for any length of time will know that on the journey to heaven, there are pitfalls, there are dangers, there are temptations, there is oppositions. We have to face these daily and we have to overcome them. And as we come to this third message in Romans chapter 8, which I think is the most magnificent section of this most magnificent chapter, what the Apostle, I think, wants us to clearly know is this, God is the one who will make sure that we make it to the end. And if you've just joined us today in this series in Romans, what we've seen through this year and last year, Romans the beginning chapters 1 to 3, God is over the world as judge. We then saw from chapter 3 verse 21 through to chapter 7 that He is for us in Christ and the call of the gospel is to repent and to believe the good news and give our lives to Christ. And what we discover is that He is for us when we come to Christ and then Romans 8 What we've been seeing is that He works in us by His Holy Spirit. And we finish today with Romans 8, 29 to 39. And what we see to complete the story is that God will keep us to the end. And I've got three things to say from this passage. The first is this, God will get you to the end. And if you don't hear anything else from me, if you're a follower of Christ, that's the promise of God from this passage for us. God is going to get us to the end. And so, if you've got your Bibles, let's have a look. I haven't got the verses on the screen. I'd love you to look with me in your Bibles there in the pew or on your devices. I'm going to pick up from verse 28, which we did look at briefly last week. Uh, Nathan mentioned that, and I'm going to then focus on 29 and 30 to begin with. And we read from verse 28, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And then we have these famous words, For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. In this concluding section of Romans 8, Paul is in essence saying, stop worrying, stop fretting, God is going to get you home. He will do it. And these two verses, verses 29 and 30, they're often referred to as God's golden chain. And there's five specific different actions of God and His sovereign working by His grace that are described here. The first one I've got on the screen, He foreknows. And foreknows doesn't mean simply that God knows facts beforehand about what will happen that he simply sees the future. When scripture says God knows someone, it means he's got a relationship with them. For example, Matthew chapter seven, we went through the Sermon on the Mount last year. One of the uh, striking phrases uh, on the day of judgment, Jesus says, there are people who I will say, I never knew you. To know biblically is not just knowledge of facts, it's relationship. And when God is saying he foreknew us, it means that he set his love upon us before we even knew him. He knew us. The second thing is that we see here is God predestines those he foreknew to end up becoming like Jesus. Now, I know for some, this word will raise all sorts of questions. And it's worth saying that next week when we get into Romans 9, we're going to look at this vexing issue. And I thought, what better passage for Peter Kerr to start preaching from? He just shakes his head and goes, please don't do that to me, brother. (laughs) I wanted to put Peter on next week and I looked at the passage and said, it's all right, Peter, I'll do it next week. (laughs) We're going to look at Romans 9 next week and it delves into greater detail about this question of predestination. And we'll look at that next week. And so I don't want to completely solve all your theological mysteries for you today, but I do want to say a couple of things. I want us to focus on Paul's motive in bringing this up, this question of predestination. He's not trying to start a theological argument or even delve into the mysteries of God. We will get there tomorrow, uh, next week. What he's doing here is simply and profoundly seeking to give you assurance. That's why he mentions it. He's saying, before time began, God chose you and He had a purpose for you and nothing now can deter Him from that purpose which is for you to become like His Son. He has predestined you for this purpose. And it's a word of assurance to those who trust in Christ. God was at work in your life before you responded to Him. He foreknew you, He predestined you. But thirdly, He calls you. Those God foreknew and predestined, He also called. And the first time God's foreknowledge and predestination really broke into our lives is when we experienced Him calling us, which basically means He was drawing us to Himself. Now, sometimes people say, how do I know if God foreknew and predestined me? Well, the easy and simple answer is to say, if you've had a desire to know him, a conviction of him calling you and of a conviction of your sins and your need to trust Christ, that is because God has opened your heart by his spirit to hear him and respond to him. Let me read from John 6:44. Jesus says these famous words, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up on the last day and so God calls people and that is why our hearts are strangely warmed to quote Wesley we hear him calling us and we respond in faith and repentance our desire to come to Jesus and respond to him is evidence of the call because apart from that we would have no desire That's the problem of the flesh that we saw two weeks ago. Our natural inclination is away from God. The Spirit of God comes into our life and we now respond to God. But that's not all. It's like selling uh, those commercials with steak lives which um, have nothing on what we're talking about here today. The fourth thing is God justifies and we saw this a number of weeks ago when I did an overview of one to six. This is the fourth action of God that we looked at a few weeks back. To be justified is about having God's legal pronouncement about your innocence before a holy God. It's a declaration of God over you that you are not guilty. You are innocent in God's eyes because you are in Christ. And His blood shed on the cross for your sin covers us so that we are protected. And we are declared, and it's worth noting that declaration is what will be declared over you on the last day on Judgment Day, it is brought forward and said about you now. You are not guilty in God's eyes. And then lastly, it says, God glorifies. Now, I think this is the most remarkable of the declarations by the Apostle Paul in these five words that are listed. And the reason for this is that we would naturally and rightly assume that this action of God relates to the future. God has known us, He's predestined us, He's called us, He's justified us. But I think we would naturally say, and He will glorify us. But look at what the text says. It's in the past tense, He has glorified us. And you can only say such is the confidence of Paul in the truth that God will get us to the end, that he says boldly and clearly, Not not just has God chosen, predestined, called and justified you, He has also glorified you. I love how Tim Keller puts it, to be glorified is to have all sin eradicated and to be made perfect in body and soul. And that's what we look forward to on that great day when we will meet God and be welcomed in because of the work of Christ to save us. We will be free of sin. We will be made perfect in body and soul, but yet that is the way the Apostle Paul speaks of the work of God in our lives now. We have been glorified. And what it says to me is this, that's how God views us in Christ. think about the golden chain of blessings that we've been looking at these five wonderful words is that you can deep dive into each word and think about the theological realities of them but I don't think that's why Paul puts them together in this rhetorical flourish at the end of Romans chapter 8. I think he wants us to rather sit back or stand back and just marvel at what God is doing in us and for us. Paul is trying to say in the most emphatic of ways that God will get you to the end. Let me illustrate from the art world. Now, in my marriage, my wife knows more about sport as a result of being married to me, and I know more about art as a result of being married to her. Uh, when I had long service leave, I went over to uh, Europe with my wife, and we went to Paris for a week, and one of the great museums that I went to, and I didn't know about, was the Musée de l'Hongere, Please forgive my French accent, that's the best way I have for pronouncing the, uh, the place. And it's an incredible museum that houses numbers of incredibly wonderful paintings by the great Monet. And they've got rooms that have been built just to house the artwork. And what you can see here is this incredible room that has three pieces of Monet's work which are called the lilies. Here's just one of the panels. Uh, that's a photograph I took when I was there. And this is what's said about it. The double oval room where the work is shown is called the Sistine of Impressionism in reference to the Sistine Chapel painted by Michelangelo. It has the shape of the symbol of infinity which is very significant. The viewer is surrounded by images of waters, lilies, willows, reflections of light on water and clouds, which together amount to almost a 100 linear meters of the purest Impressionism. The painter himself participated in the design of the rooms and the way in which the panels would be exhibited, including the entrance of natural light so that according to the Impressionist ideology, their appearance would be modified at different times of the day and according to atmospheric conditions. Now I could go on and on about these paintings and that room, but that's not what you're meant to do, you're meant to do what these people are doing, just sit there (laughs) and wonder, okay? And I sat there and I wondered, there's me, (laughs) tourist Bruce. (laughs) And it was just a moment where you just take it in, And this is what Romans 8 at the end is meant for us to do. We are to sit there and just wonder at how great God's salvation is. And drink it in. Friends, in Christ, if you have the Lord Jesus, God is for you. And He will get you to the end. Just drink that in. When you ask yourself the question, how can I be confident that I will make it to the end and be welcomed into heaven? Just think about the action of God and these five profound theological truths Let's speak of the reality of what God is doing for you right now. He foreknows you. He predestined you. He called you into his family. He has justified you from your sins and declared you innocent and not guilty. And he glorifies you. He will get you to the end. But the second thing that this wonderful ending speaks of is this reality. God will protect you as you go. The remaining eight verses in chapter 8 of Romans are what the English preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones called logic on fire. It is Paul at his best. He is excited about how wonderful is the reality that God is for us. Let me read to us from verse 31. There are seven rhetorical questions that he answers in the text. He asks them, he answers them. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? There's two. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Three. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Four. Well, it is God who justifies. Who then is he that condemns? That is the fifth question. Well, no one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God and he's also interceding for us. Five rhetorical questions. They're summed up in this opening one. What shall we say then in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the simple answer is no one and nothing can ever be against you in any substantive way if Christ and God the Father is for you. And the logic is this, if he's for you, you've got him on your side. And this is the God who loves you so much that he sent his own son Jesus in the world to die for you. And he will give you all that you need to make it to the end. But that's not all. This is the God who, because of Jesus' death for you, declares you are not guilty so that no one, not even the devil, on that final day can say anything accusatory against you of any substance that will have any impact. Because you are covered by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been forgiven of your sins through his bloodshed. God is saying you are mine and because of that there is no one and no thing who can oppose you or accuse you or take you away from him. He's saying my son, Jesus who died for you, the one who rose from the dead. What's more, do you know what he's doing this very moment for each and every one of you? He's praying for you. It's astounding. That's what the text says. He is interceding at the right hand of God, the one who rose from the dead. I just want you to just stop here and take this in. God is going to get you to the end. And he's protecting you as you go. you have the Lord Jesus Christ praying for you to make it. Now I've known some great prayer warriors in my time and we've got some wonderful ones here at St Matthews but I can tell you what, there is none greater than the Lord Jesus (laughs) and he is on the throne praying for us that we will make it and get there. What a wonderful story and thank you John for sharing. Where are you this morning John? Up the back. I've known John since I commenced my ministry here just under 15 years ago. And John at that stage was on staff uh, helping run the eight o'clock service and a number of other duties associated with it. And I think I'm right in saying that I think you've been walking with the Lord for about 75 years now. Is that about right, John? 71. 71. And God has been faithful all those years. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have John... On the video this morning, it's just such a testimony of God who has got John through to the end. And it's so heartwarming. And I love what John said, God was faithful, he kept growing me. And that's the reality. God, by his Spirit, gets us to the end. And his son, the Lord Jesus, is praying for us to protect us, to empower us, and to enable us to go forward every day. Which leads me to the last of my points. God will not just go with you as you go, but God's love will be with you throughout that experience. Let me read verse 35 and 39. There's two final rhetorical questions there. And they both relate to this one topic, God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Or as one translation has put it, we are super conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? What can separate you from the love of Christ? And what Paul is saying is there is nothing. God's love will always be with you to strengthen you through all the trials and tribulations that we may go through in this life. And twice in this section Paul repeats a vital truth to cling hold of, God's love is with us through it all. Now what's interesting is he quotes here in verse 36 Psalm 44. Now I'd encourage you to go and read Psalm 44 when you get home. It's a fascinating psalm. It's a psalm that speaks of the reality of the people of God Having known God's favour and love, feeling abandoned by Him and wondering, where are you, God? They know He loves them. And it gets to the end of the psalm and you've got this quote, for your sake, we face death all day long, we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And you hear this cry of the psalmist, wondering where is God in the midst of the tribulations and the trials, they just feel abandoned by Him. And the psalm finishes with these words, rise up and help us, rescue us, why? Because of your unfailing love. And I think it's astounding, it's profound that Paul quotes this here because I think what he's saying is those words, those cries from the psalmist have now been fulfilled in Christ. Rise up and help us, rescue us because of your unfailing love. And friends, as Christians, we do have no guarantee that it's going to be an an easy life. What we are guaranteed is that through all of life, the ups and the downs, God's love will be with us through Christ. I believe that Paul cites the psalm at this point because he wants to say that as Christians, we might be tempted to think that because of Christ's love, that it's so real and unshakable, then we will never run into trouble. But that's not the case, is it? There is hardship. There's all the things that are listed here that are against us. There are angels, but there are also demons. There is life, but there's also death. But through all of that, God's love will never leave us. And the cries of the psalmist are answered in the person and the work and the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for us, which we know by his Holy Spirit. And that's one of the profound reasons why and how God will get us to the end. Even through the most difficult times, we can know the love of God at work to give us strength to persevere. And nothing can take that away from us. Nothing. I want to finish with a, what I think is one of the most profound examples of this that I've seen here in the parish. I want to tell you the story of John's wife, Beth. Many of you will know Beth. Uh, she sadly passed away in 218 and I had the privilege of taking her funeral. The favourite passage was this one I'm speaking of. And I had the great privilege of being able to preach from this passage at her funeral. And I do remember John coming up to me at the end of it saying, when I die, please preach the same message. (laughs) And I spoke to him just yesterday and he said, yep, that's right. Beth was a remarkable lady. To say that Beth had lived a difficult life is an understatement. And it's worth noting, not because of her marriage to John. (laughs) My memories of Beth are that she was always such a great character. She was always full of fun and laughter and with a wicked sense of humour. And she was a woman with a deep abiding trust and love for the Lord Jesus. And as we've heard on the video, she came to Christ some 70 odd years ago as well. Yet beneath the laughter... Beth had had to cope with and endure much pain and suffering more than most people in this world. She was a survivor of domestic child sex abuse from when she was young. Later in life, as she came to grips with what had happened to her and through the help of counselling, and I take it also, the spirit of God and the work of God in her life, She became one of the leading advocates to speak out on this issue in the country when it was taboo to speak about it. Because of her bravery and her advocacy for those victims of child sex abuse, she received the Australian Human Rights Award and the Order of Australia Medal in 1997 for her advocacy on behalf of the victims on this issue. She was a truly courageous lady Yet the abuse she endured as a child was not the end of her suffering. She also lived with sicknesses for great stretches of her life, including significant heart issues, and then later in her time, Alzheimer's disease. I remember at the time of Beth's funeral which I took, John said to me that he couldn't help but connect the trauma done to her through the abuse she'd suffered in her early years with the poor health she subsequently experienced later in life. But here's the thing I wanted to say. In the wonderful 10 years of knowing her here at St. Matthews from when I first came, I never once heard her complain. In fact, it was the opposite. Her life was marked by a joy in the Lord and a delight to live life to the full. And her favorite passage in all of scripture was the one that I'm speaking on today. Beth knew that God would work for good in her life situation. And when you think about the reality of what that was, that is a profound thing to say. Beth had been called to trust in the Lord Jesus and she had a confidence that came from this. And she knew God's love through all of her pain and struggles. And I vividly remember back in 2010, I was asking her about her health, she just had a number of heart operations and stents put in and she confided with me that she didn't know if her health would hold up but she just smiled and laughed in the inimitable way she would do and she said I'm not worried because she knew that her Lord had died for her, that she was loved by him and she was confident in him that she would be in heaven if she were to die. She said I know a lot of other people here aren't haven't got that assurance, but brother, she said, I know that. And she was so confident, not because of her own good works, which were many, but because of what God had done for her in Christ. And in August of 2018, some five years ago, death died and went to be with her Lord. The Lord who had known her, who had called her, who had justified her, And who was now glorifying her in his presence. Friends, when we have the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are in him, when we've come to trust and follow him with all of our lives, we can be absolutely confident. We can be assured that God is going to get us to the end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we just stop and marvel at your grace. We are weak and frail. We are undeserving. We are full of sin and doubt. But your grace is stronger and greater, your love is ever present. And we thank you that you are the God who's known us, who's predestined us, who's called us, who's justified us, and who has glorified us. May we look to you each day for the confidence that you give, for the strength that you fill us with, and for the love that protects us. Enable us by your strength to make it to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing. Let's rejoice in our great God.
0: like to let people know in Griffith Street, Sydney Road, Bellevue Street and a few streets around there about the, home, uh, the mobile pantry. Uh, please see me afterwards and grab this one. If you'd like to distribute some of those invitations in other parts of Manly, there's a whole bunch of them up the back there. It'd be great to raise awareness of this excellent uh, service that's being provided uh, in this partnership that we have with Anglicare. Um, In a moment, I'll uh, leave us with a word of encouragement. Uh, Firstly, remember morning tea uh, out in the the function room just across the courtyard. It would be great to have everyone come and join us for that. What a wonderful part of God's word to be in today. If God is for us, who can be against us? I didn't find it easy running any of the marathons uh, that I ran. Uh, I I did learn one thing, which is you can go a long way one step at a time. Uh, What we've learned from the scriptures today is that if God is with us, nothing will separate us from his love. If God is with us, he will carry us to the end. He'll protect us. Something worth celebrating, something worth writing beautiful hymns like Wesley wrote for us and that we've sung this morning. Something really worth um, celebrating. And we've got a word of blessing uh, for each other, Uh, the word of this benediction. Let's uh, say this together. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with us and always. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.